Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. This is episode 121. Before we start, we just want to say we love Irish people. We do. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> the things I was trying to say were not coming out of my mouth the way that I wanted them to. The views expressed by Jessica Rhino do not necessarily ref- uh, reflect those of the Broomsticks and Butterbeer podcast, nor the Rhino Podcasting Network. Or any of its affiliates. Me, on the other hand, I'm ranked number one. What? Yep. Number one what? Yep. Oh. <laughs> you know how some uh, podcasts get like ranked uh-huh. and win awards and stuff? I just ranked myself number one. Oh, okay. Yep. Who do you have as number two? Uh, our setup today... Uh, we got a little bit different setup. Normally, I sit kind of catty corner from you. Yeah. Or like, kind of like you're at like my, like, ninety degree angle. Yeah. <laughs> what are you distracted <laughs> by? Nightwing is picking out a DVD he wants to watch. Apparently. Oh, oh, good. He was sniffing the DVDs. I I wasn't sure. You know, he has played with the magical discs in those before. He has pressed the eject button on the Xbox before. Uh-huh. And, ta- and it gave him a toy. And taken his reward, <laughs> which he promptly chewed up. Which was? Uh, some wrestling game. Uh, today, I'm uh, set up right across from you. Yeah, right across. Like, like at a very small table. So Lock in these like, eyes. Like, uh, today is episode 121, Jessica. And we're going to be talking about Chapter 28 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which is Snape's worst memory. We're never going to be like, it's episode 121 on the 21st chapter. No, that's like a few years ago when it was 11, 11, 11. It was my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like November 11, 2011. And it's going to be like a million years before it happens again or something like that. Oh, man. And the Earth will be dead. Oh, man. And everything on it. Won't be here. This episode brought to you by Depression. Oh, no. Depression. And the apocalypse. We'll get you. <laughs> That's the tagline for Depression. <laughs> we'll get you. <laughs> depression. We'll get you. Don't you worry. Uh, we talked about, uh, chapter 27 last time. We're going to recap that, uh, before we get in, before we do that and before we talk about chapter 28, I thought it was kind of nice for a change, the last two chapters to have a little bit of some 
levity and a little bit of positivity or not even not even positivity but a little bit of humor and a little bit of you know liveliness uh with the last chapter we had Dumbledore kind of getting over on everybody and escaping on his flying phoenix Mm -hmm. and then in this chapter we had the Weasley boys doing some pretty cool stuff and mixed in there there was a lot of down things because of course this book is brought to you by depression oh we get you we should get a different sponsor <laughs> I don't, they've already paid they paid paid out for the whole book so oh, okay you playing footsies with me no mine are like t- way tucked in mine are too no they're not <laughs> they're all the way over here it's a different table setup. I'm, it's hard for me to get used to. I like to swing a lot. I like to swing my feet a lot. Uh-huh. That was my knee. <laughs> like when we got our new couches and your feet couldn't touch the ground, you're swinging like swinging your legs like a toddler on the swings. I still do. I just thought it was kind of nice, nice for a little change of pace. We've had so much negativity and so much to kind of bring you down in this book mm-hmm. that we had a couple of things in the last two chapters that brought you up a little bit for a change yeah gotta have those loves because sometimes i'm reading a book and i'm like i just don't want to read it anymore hello darkness my old friend i was like you gotta give me something you again if it's all bad 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 and i'm like i I don't there's nothing to make me want to pick it up Again, if I, if I have to set it down. All around me are familiar faces. In fact, if I stop, then the, the bad will stop. I stop reading, then yeah. there'll be no more bad. Yeah. So. You said that you went to ALA this past weekend, and there was an artist that you had a previous encounter with where you were crying on an airplane? An author, yeah. Yeah, um, I actually got the book at C2E2, mm-hmm. and I this was like, no, 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 this ago? was years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I has, it sounded interesting, I'm like, I'm gonna give this book a try, and then I took it with me to New York, and I read it on the plane, and, um, <sighs> the dog dies. Mm. I think it's more of a wolf or wolf hybrid in the story, but I did not see it coming. It was like, it just, it was awful. And the wolf was, the wolf and the relationship, the girl, the, the, the relationship between the wolf and the girl was like the best thing in the book. She was like, she was like captured and she was trying to get away and this wolf would come visit her. At night, and then finally she escapes and is on the run with the wolf, and then the wolf dies. Mm. And I'm like, wait, what? And I was crying, and I was sitting in the very back of the plane by myself, and those boy, the stewardess was like, are you okay? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this past weekend... Yes, so she sits down at the table, we did like this speed dating thing, where different authors come and sit down at the table and tell you about their books... It wasn't actual dating. It was like no, speed no. pitches. Speed pitches, yeah. yeah. Um, and we could ask questions and stuff. This was like a little conversation. But, uh, yeah, she... Most of them were debut authors, so I thought it was odd that one person at the, the table did say, uh, what, are, what are the other books you've written? 
and she just rattled off this list, and I recognized the title of the one, and I was like, <gasps> you. you are the worst, and I can't even talk to you. Oh. I didn't. Jennifer was like, you should have told her. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk to her. Yeah. You sat there and pouted. Mm-hmm, I did. But they weren't there for very long, so it didn't matter. She was off to the next table. Uh, did you have a good time at ALA? ALA is the American Library Association. Yes. Conference. Um, I did. I had a good time. Jennifer and I had a good time. I'm not sure I would have had as much fun if I was by myself. Like, BookCon and BEA that I used to go to, I went by myself. Rest in peace, BookCon. Yeah. Um, and it was no big deal. I had, there was plenty to do. I was excited about everything and it just didn't matter. I did meet Anastasia there and we became line buddies and hung out all day. And now me and Anastasia are best friends. Yes. Now you guys are best friends. Yep. And she loves corn. Anastasia is our buddy name. Yeah, buddy name. Um, this one was, I mean, we didn't stick together the whole time. We kind of left each other and went and wandered around. Because it's a lot less structured. You just kind of wandered around and found things to do. And lines to get in and books that they were giving out. So we didn't stick together the whole time. But then we'd meet back up. and So it was fun. Cool. There's your foot. Oh, there it is. Playing footsies with me again. (laughs) Well, let's talk about what happened last time in Chapter 27. Then we'll get into Chapter 28. And then we got a question at the end uh, that's mainly geared toward you. Uh, chapter 27 last time was the centaur and the sneak. Ferenz, the super dreamy bad boy centaur, is the, ne- the new divination professor. He's teaching in a centaur accessible room that resembles a forest. Ferenz has been banished from his herd for agreeing to work at Hogwarts. We learned that divination is an inexact science and that the students will never actually learn how to do it. Just uh, it's just an educational. Not if you have practical experience doing it. It's just, just you're gonna know about it. Uh, Ferenz tells Harry to pass a cryptic message along to Hagrid about abandoning his attempt, whatever that means. Which of course Hag- Hagrid ignores. Dumbledore's army gets ratted out by Cho's friend Marietta, and the kids scatter. Harry is captured by Umbridge and taken to Dumbledore's office, where Dumbledore accepts blame for the secret Defense Against the Dark Arts Club. And flees Hogwarts on the tail of Fox the Phoenix. That, that sums it up. Uh, chapter 28. We're going to talk about today Snape's worst memory. Uh, last chapter ended with Dumbledore escaping Hogwarts before he could be arrested. And this chapter begins with yet another educational decree. Dolores Umbridge is the new headmaster of Hogwarts. Uh, kind of a meteoric rise to power for her. I mean, for professor to high inquisitor, and then I think she became supreme chancellor, and then emperor, and now headmaster. Yeah. I might have been mixing some Star Wars in there. It's but fine. It's probably all in there, too. She's been wearing a lot of hats. But she doesn't get the office. <laughs> That's what she really wanted, right? She wanted the big office. She did. She wanted the big office. She wanted the view. And I've got that in my notes, I think, a little little further down here. We'll talk about that. But Harry did not blab about the events in Dumbledore's office. And we know Mar- uh, Marietta, who's 
currently sitting in the nurse's office with pus-filled blisters all over her face isn't going to be blabbing about anything ever again. Hmm. But somehow... She might have learned a lesson. Somehow everything that happened in Dumbledore's office is talk of the school. So how did this news spread so quickly and so accurately? Are the It's got to be the paintings, the right? Paintings, yeah. <laughs> They're just hopping, you're not going to believe what happened in Dumbledore's office. Yep. And then the paintings are talking to the ghosts and the mm-hmm. ghosts are talking to the students and that's got to be it, so, right? Yeah. It's got to be the paintings. Definitely the paintings. But everybody apparently knows and it's the story that the stories that are getting spread around about are pretty accurate you know a lot of you know a lot of times when things get passed around like that they get embellished quite a bit but this story is pretty accurate down to to what happened yeah there was really only one sort of embellishment that fudge had a pumpkin head and he was (laughs) in the nurse's wing yeah hospital wing yeah i wonder who threw that in there i don't know uh just when we thought Draco Malfoy couldn't get any more incorrigible as a prefect, Jess, he's now apparently joined Umbridge's new High Inquisitorial Paul Monitor Society. What's that all about? Yeah, I totally forgot about this. I mean, I knew that she made them her little spies and little gang, but to this extent, I did not remember. It's her, her own little army. Yeah, she has her own UA, little army. UA, Umbridge's army. <laughs> Umbridge's army. Or DA, Dolores' army. Ooh. Could use the same initials. Let's take it over. Um, yeah, she, well, we knew that they were working for her to spy before because they were trying to catch them coming out and it was Draco and his buddies that caught the kids coming out of the room. But now they have like true authority. They have little pin badges and they can take away house points. Which prefects can't even do. So that bugs me quite a bit. I'm all for having prefects, which are kind of like team captains for the houses, right? Mm-hmm. And that's good, I think, because you can kind of, it's kind of like having a student council where you can kind of streamline the communication between the students and the heads of the houses or the students and the administration as it is. But. I'm really not in favor of the students having power to assign detentions or take away house points. That just seems ridiculous to me. I mean, we've had, we had hall monitors in our school, but they weren't able to, they didn't really have any power to do anything other than go back and tattle on you. But did you really think you were going to support anything that Umbridge was doing? I mean, the, what, so what is the, the prefect? The prefect thing's obviously been around for a long time at mm-hmm. Hogwarts. Uh, do the prefects have, like, any real, real power? Can they do... I thought I remembered them being able to, like, assign detentions or something like that. I don't think detentions. Um, but now I'm starting to think, did they... Could they assign, like, chores? Mm. Well, it's kind of like detention. Right. You just had to do... Like a certain chore or whatever. Some kind of punishment. Yeah. Which I don't, I'm not okay with that. I'm okay with having like representatives for your houses, but I'm really not okay with. I'm sure that the head of the house still had to like approve it. Right. Like be like, she, I mean, Hermione could be like, 
Professor McGonagall, I have talked to so-and-so 15 times today and they're not listening. And kind of just to give them a little bit of backup Mm -hmm. of authority. And I told them they had to clean all the chalkboards for two days or whatever. I'm sure that she still has to, the head of the house still has to approve it. But the house points thing is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Draco takes 10 points away from Harry just because he doesn't like him. Yeah. He literally says that. And I guess they've got these like uh, like little hourglass uh, things all over the school. Little. No, I think it's just one main one in okay. the main hall, like in the hall, not in the dining hall, but just outside the dining hall. Mm-hmm. Because, and that just happens to be where they were standing when they said they were like on their way to lunch or whatever. And it was there. And Gryffindor's pretty much empty <laughs> by <laughs> by the end of the chapter. I mean, it is the the game is rigged. It was, yeah, he's, it was just like a constant flow of. I think there were supposed to be little gemstones right. going back up from their original pile. Now, some would argue, though, that this is kind of balancing out the fact that Dumbledore just awards thousands of points to Gryffindor. Now, you all know I don't pick favorites, but Harry, he is my favorite. There you go. At the end of every term. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is kind of uh, the universe kind of balancing itself out. Mm, No. (laughs) That's a hot take. Can you hit that hot take button for me? Hot take. <laughs> just, no. No. Okay. Uh, so apparently. If it was just once, maybe. But this is every day now. It's egregious. Yes. Uh, apparently another one of those evil hall monitors, a Slytherin named Monahue, tried to take some points away from the Weasley twins. They got around that. And they shoved them in a van- vanishing cabinet. And uh, we mentioned on a past episode how carefree the twins are these days. They already know what they're going to do with their lives. They don't really need they don't really need school or don't really need to officially graduate, mm-hmm. I guess at this point. So they're really not worried about getting in trouble by the evil hall monitor society. Well, and we've talked about it before too. I know, you know, us dumb Americans, we don't understand. <laughs> They're, their school. We are very dumb. Very it's dumb. like, if it doesn't, it isn't exactly how we do it here, we don't understand. And I admit, I don't really understand. But their school's different. This school is also different. So, you know, they have, the Weasleys have gone pretty far in school. Mm-hmm. They just, those last couple of years. But like for us, I think we just automatically think like, oh, they're not going to finish like high school. Mm-hmm. But that's not true because... That once you pass your OWLs, you're really focusing on what you want to do for your career. Right. So it's, I feel like it's more like college. Mm-hmm. And if you, so there's like not as big of a deal. Like right. if you don't want to go to college, you don't have to go to college. If what you want to do with your life doesn't require college. So I see what they're saying. They're like, mm-hmm. we don't really need to be here. Mom really would like us to finish, but. I actually, when I used to work. With, I used to work for a radio station here in, in St. Louis, and one of the main hosts on there was is like six credits shy of his journalism degree, mm-hmm. but he got an opportunity to take a job 
when he was in school and he was, you know, whatever, six or six or ten credit hours away. And so he never finished his journalism degree, but he's very successful radio personality. He knew what he wanted to do. At that point, he had enough enough of an education to be able to do that job properly. He obviously had enough of an education and was talented enough to be able to get offered this job. And him turning down that job just to stay for another six to ten hours credit hours and get a piece of paper kind of goes against what his long-term goal is, which was to get a job working in the radio industry. The Weasleys are already good, and we're going to find out later in the chapter how good they are, at what they want to do. Yes. Which is the joke store. They, they're already making sales, you know, um... They've already kind of got everything they need. I mean, they could stay and get the piece of paper, but at this point, there's not a lot keeping them there. Quidditch probably would have kept them there. Yes. I'm sure they would have stayed and, and finished so Just they could finish so they could the Quidditch, play Quidditch, yeah. play, finish the Quidditch season, season but uh, Umbridge took that away from them. And now they are... Fully focused on what they... On their jokes. They really got nothing to lose. I mean, what are they going to do? Get expelled? Okay, then we'll just go start our career like we've been planning to all along. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got the seed money from from Harry um, for winning the Triwizard Tournament. So they've got the the finances ready. They've got uh, the products ready. They just got to go do it. Mm -hmm. And now they're really just kind of got nothing to lose at this point yeah they said they want to um they just want to kind of get back i guess mostly at umbridge Mm -hmm. for on dumbledore's behalf Mm -hmm. and other than that they have like nothing else to do there we're going to talk about what their next big move is in a second but before that we have harry summoned to a meeting with umbridge uh before we get to this scene, I want to go back to something you said a second ago. Umbridge isn't taking up residence in Dumbledore's old office, is she? No, well, it won't let her in. <laughs> the office won't let her in. Yeah. And that's probably for the best, because there's probably too much in there that she could get into. We know that there are special magical instruments in there, and he probably books and things that he didn't get a chance to clear out. No, granted, I'm sure he doesn't have anything too bad just laying out in his office while she was already there. Like, he's probably stashed some stuff away. But there are, you know, relics in there, and the Gryffindor sword is in there. Things that she just doesn't need to, she just doesn't need access to. Probably got some things floating around in that pensieve that he doesn't want Mm -hmm. people seeing. It kind of reminded me of you and I were both big He-Man fans growing up. Yes. And you know how Skeletor's always just, Yeah, I gotta get in the Castle Grayskull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just couldn't ah. do it. Yeah. That's what I <laughs> imagine that that gif where Skeletor's just mm. got his, his, his fist of rage in the air. You're gonna put Umbridge's face on yeah, it? You just can't, <laughs> you Skeletor's just can't get body. in. Because I think to get in, you needed both, ha- you need both parts of the sword, I think. 
the sword of Grayskull to... Yeah, or the sorceress that lived there. Right. She she let He Man in. Yeah, she could have just opened the door, but she, she wasn't going to do that. She for, wasn't that for him. Yeah, Bonehead. No, she wasn't going to do that. No. Uh, but that's what it reminded me. So mark you got, your bingo you got, cards. Got that with on your He-Man. pop culture bingo cards. Go ahead and mark it off. Uh, what does Umbridge want to talk about with Harry, and why is she so insistent on Harry drinking a beverage with her? Hmm. This is another one that I was kind of like, I'm kind of a little, not reading for the first time, but forgetting some of this stuff. Because it has been so long since I've read the books. Uh, But I was like, oh no, this is bad. This seems sketchy. Mm -hmm. Don't, why don't you see how sketchy she's being? I want you to have, have a drink with me. What do you want? And, but at the last minute. Some cat with blue eyes looks at him and he's like, Mad-Eye. Just reminds him of Mad-Eye Moody. And he's like, he wouldn't want me to take a drink that the enemy gave me. Mm-hmm. She's totally trying to drug him, wasn't she? Yes. There's totally some Veritaserum in there. Yes. Because she's asking, where's Dumbledore? Which Harry doesn't know. But she asks where Sirius is. And she asks it so like, all right, so you're going to tell me where Sirius is. Like, mm-hmm. she is fully confident that this drugging is going to work. Well, Harry's even pretending to take sips of, of the tea mm-hmm. also. Like, putting it to his lips, but not actually letting it in. You know, pierce his, his, his uh, mouth. Yeah. So, Umbridge, I guess, gets the impression that he is drinking the supposedly drugged tea. And when Harry says he doesn't know where Sirius is, she kind of, I guess, accepts it. Yeah. <laughs> After we go into like a full-blown villain speech, yeah, like she's like, I know it was you. I know he was talking to you. I've been watching the flu network. I have someone watching this and doing this. Like just, just tell us all of your evil mm. plot. And <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're sharing a lot of information there. I know that it's typical for the villain to be cocky and mm. to share too much information, but... Hey, yeah, why would you tell him that you're monitoring, you know, the flu network and things like that? Wouldn't you want to set him up? Yeah, to have Sirius contact him again, and then you could catch him that way? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do, because she does say one thing in there that ends up being important later, but that was the whole point, was to hide that one fact in there. Well, this meeting gets cut short. There's tons of chaos erupting in the castle. It seems Fred and George have unleashed a magical living fireworks display. Nice. Describe the scene here. Um, everything. Chaos. There's sparklers riding... Bad words. <laughs> There's one of them was just poo, though. Yeah, it's just poo. <laughs> Harry said bad words, and I thought of worse words, but um, apparently it was just poo and other bad words. But um, I guess that was the only one she could like say um, in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just said poo. There's uh, like dragons flying around, ma- firework dragons, fanged frisbees. Just everything. 
there's it's pure chaos. So the listeners know about our good friend Catherine. Yes. And things in the book, just happen to Catherine. Things do just happen to Catherine. But when they mentioned a Catherine wheel in the book, <laughs> I had to look up what that was. Yeah. Do you know? Do you no. do you know this? Okay, so you know those. It's like a it's like a, a like a round disc, and it spins, and the fireworks shoot out of it, yeah. like sparklers shoot out of it while it's spinning. Yeah. That's a Catherine wheel. I know those are just like whizzies or something. I don't yeah. know. Apparently, that's. I, I had whizzies. to look it up. I didn't know what it was. Apparently, that's a Catherine an, named wheel. after our friend Catherine. She has her own firecracker. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's just you. You see them in like the old carnivals and mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, apparently, those are everywhere. And the twins had this all planned out because basically, that every common spell that Umbridge tries. The boys had a counter for in order to just make it worse. Like it, yeah, it made it worse. She tried to. It's brilliant. She did stupefy. That was the first one she, she did. She tried to stun it and it just like exploded more. And then she blamed it on Filch, like it was his idea. Yeah. Don't stun them, Filch. And Filch is like, uh, could. Okay. Would, uh, you know, what if I couldn't or whatever the, <laughs> the say? I can't. 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 <laughs> I'm a squib. I can't do anything. So he's smacking with the broom. With smacking fire with the broom. broom. Yeah. So then the broom's on fire. It's it's just awesome. (laughs) It was. I don't remember what he said. I hope she tries to vanish them next because they multiply by ten. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, please. So that's what I was talking about. These these moments of levity that we had, where our heroes are are actually kind of. Doing Sticking something, it to the man. yeah. It's <laughs> you know, uh, Dumbledore did it in the last chapter, and the Weasley boys are doing it in this chapter. You got to have moments like that in order to give you hope. Yes, you know. And there's a little bit of hope in in this chapter. But it's another thing that happens in in relation to these this fireworks display. It seems some of Dumbledore's loyal teachers are really enjoying the show, aren't they? Yes, so the fireworks escape and go all over the building, and they get into classrooms, and the teachers in the classrooms do nothing to get rid of them. They just send for Umbridge. Oh, the head, the head mistress. Yeah, mistress. Not head, not headmaster, headmistress, right? The headmistress is probably the only one capable of dealing with this. So she just keeps getting constant calls to go running from classroom to classroom to deal with these uh, firecrackers. Yeah, we talk about figuratively putting out fires, you know, going around and Mm -hmm. dealing with issues. She's literally going around putting out fires. And she's got, like, her face covered in soot later on. So, like I said, a little bit of hope for the good guys uh, even though later in the chapter, the lines between good guys and bad guys is going to get a little blurred. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, another dream for Harry. He finally opens that door that he's been so desperate to open. Yes. And then goes through 37 other rooms. <laughs> so much. that door wasn't that important. <laughs> it was the first step. It was just one of many. It's like when you get into Disneyland, then there's still a ton of things to do. Uh-huh. 
but you're there. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of like that? But he's woken know. up by more of the Weasley fireworks outside the window, so he doesn't actually see what he wants so badly to, to get, which is, by extension, what so badly Voldemort wants to get. Uh, Harry has Occlumency the next day, which he's definitely not looking forward to. But before that, he sees Cho. <laughs> now, remember, it was Cho's friend Marietta, who was the one who ratted out the group, which led to the end of Dumbledore's army. And in a way, led to Umbridge becoming headmistress. She and messed in, everything up. And in a way, causing Dumbledore to have to flee. But... What's up with Cho here? She doesn't seem to think it's that big of a deal. Oh, um, she's 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 a nice person. She just made one little mistake. Yeah, she's just defending What's her. What's up friend. with her? Well, um, she's defending her friend. She's also doesn't if if you if she says that her friend was wrong. Then she's partially to blame because she brought her along. Mm, you know, so tail. it's like if you make it not a big deal, then it's not also on her. Maybe. Then maybe that's what she's going for. Maybe, maybe. she's just one of those nicey nice people who, you know, has to think the best of everybody. Well, she's a Ravenclaw, so that's not true. It could be true. <laughs> I'm sure, there. You guys don't think the best of anybody. We're just very logical. <laughs> but maybe she got if, some Hufflepuff tendencies. If she, was, if she was logical here, she wouldn't be friends with Marietta anymore. No. Because she would realize how important Dumbledore's army was. And she would realize not just how important it was to Harry, how, how important it is to the cause. Yeah. Which is potentially another wizarding war and she would not even be friends with marietta anymore we don't know cho's real stance like Mm -hmm. is she in the da just because she liked harry is she in the da because cedric got killed and she feels like this would kind of honor his memory if she knew how to protect herself or other people like we don't really know if she's for the cause. Or she was, like you said, with the death, death of Cedric, she was directly affected by this and wants, kind of like Neville, knows how serious this is and wants to be prepared for that. You're right, we don't know. We don't know. So she might not think it's that serious. You know, oh, well, we can't have our little special club anymore, but it's not that big a deal. Right. We didn't, you know, maybe she didn't really think... That they would ever have to face the Dark Lord and defend themselves or whatever. So this leads to a little bit of a tense situation between Harry and Cho. Harry's all worked up. Cho, so I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I I, I kind of loved it when Harry's like, don't go crying again. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's trying to pl- apply logic to an illogical situation, which is talking to... See, Harry's uh, being Ravenclaw, she's being Puff. I don't know what to tell you. He's trying to uh, apply logic to talking to a fellow teenager, which there is no logic there. But just remind I I did that with the kids at school. Like, no, no, we're not crying right now. That's not something you cry about. Uh, nope. 
So Harry's all worked up now, and he has to go to occlumency training with Snape, which is not something you want to do when you're all emotional. And as always, Snape takes several memories out of his head and puts them in the pensieve before the lesson. But the lesson never starts because Draco bursts in to say that Montague has been found and he's jammed inside a toilet. I, like I, all up in the toilet. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible, but okay. So I'm imagining, like you said, I don't know how it's possible either, but I'm, man- I'm managing, or imagine, easy for me to say, imagining torso in the upper bowl and uh, waist down in the, the lower bowl. <laughs> like, just like sticking straight out. Yeah. Like like Olaf with the little sticks for hands. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, they definitely needed help to get him out. Yeah, they're going to have to cut him out or something. I'm sure there's a spell for it. But uh, Snape has to go off to deal with that. Cancels occlumency with Harry for the night. But Harry really wants to know what's in that pensieve. So he just, he knows how it works. Pops his head in, takes a little peek. And what does he find? Well, Kelly's gonna get real mad at me right Uh-oh. now. I thought this You've was upset the entire country of Ireland. Now you're attacking <laughs> Kelly. Yeah, not good, not good at all. Um, like John Wick, just <laughs> taking people down. I thought this was a little cringy. Like I didn't like it. I didn't like Harry doing this. Uh-huh. I was like, no, don't be so stupid. And but in the movies, this is not how it plays out. And I'm going to say I really preferred how they did it in the movie because mm-hmm. this just was just like blatantly wrong that he would do this. Maybe he's got a little bit of a rebellious streak because he saw what the the Weasleys did earlier. Mm-hmm. And even Hermione said, well, we don't really need to do homework tonight. And that's about that's super rebellious for for her, Hermione. So maybe he he's feeling a little, justi- feeling his oats a little bit. He justified it as it w- might be like ministry secrets, something to do with the door. Well, we know full well it was nothing to do with the door. Like I don't know. I just didn't like it. So it kind of comes back to the namesake of our chapter, which is Snape's worst memory. And it goes back to when Snape was at Hogwarts, along with the uh, Marauders, uh, James and Sirius, and uh, Wormtail, and old Mooney. And it's a pretty... When you said cringy, I thought you were talking about the fact of the scene, what he saw in there. Because that's what that was cringy for me. It was basically well, I knew that was coming. That's yeah. a key element in the story. But how we got there in the books versus the movies is very different. It's basically James and Sirius, but especially James. Mm-hmm. Um, Lupin didn't really want to have too much to do with this, and Wormtail. You really get the sense in in the scene of what he was like back in the he was just the cheerleader mm-hmm. of the group back in the day kind of just happy to be along for the ride with the cool kids and a, a built-in audience right. for the boys but james and sirius see snape 
after some exam that they took, they're all like out in the courtyard, it seems like, and just start horribly bullying him. Like physically, emotionally, mentally. It it was very uncomfortable to read. Um, what were your... I'm kind of having a hard time to find the words to explain. Like, what was your thoughts or your description of the scene? Um, well, James is... There's a, there's a group of girls, too. So James is clearly mm-hmm. trying to... It says multiple times that he's look keeps looking over to see if the girls are watching. Mm-hmm. He's trying to show off, trying to be the big guy, I guess. Oh, he's got his hair, like... Yeah. Just, like... Like like the the young guys do now, it's like it's meant to look like I just got out of bed and I just don't care, but I really spent, spent like two hours two on hours it. on it and a lot of product. <laughs> um, yeah, he's making sure his hair is just perfectly messy. He's showing off, picking on. I mean, I'm not saying to say that he's weaker because we know Snape turns out to be a very strong wizard, mm-hmm. but. Picking on a weaker student, mm-hmm. a smaller boy who's not doing anything. No. Minding his own business. Yeah. Reading just, over his notes. Just from mean just being the mean test. for the sake of it. Yes. Just to find somebody else beneath him to pick on mm-hmm. to make him look better. And I guess that's just what I hated so much about it. Is that I dealt with that when I was little and then I see it every day mm-hmm. as a teacher. People that are just mean because they know they can do it. It's not, I mean, they're tr- there's always that, like, parallel, oh, uh, Snape and James and Harry and Draco, but that is not the same at all. No. Harry and Draco are very equal. They both dish it out. They mm-hmm. both take it. Yeah. It's, they're on, like, an even playing field. Yes. Um, both have friends to, to back them up if mm-hmm. needed. Snape doesn't seem to have anybody. And it gets to the point where Snape is disarmed, can't even defend himself, hanging upside down so you can see his underwear. Yeah, they don't go that far in the movies. It's his pa- He has pants on. Mm-hmm. But he does say that line at the end. Who wants to see me take his pants off? Mm-hmm. Not his underwear off. Right. Um, but then, yeah, the the soap bubbles coming out of his mouth yes. that he's like choking on. Yes. This is like dangerous. Bad. Just really, really kind of. It, I was very uncomfortable reading it. Mm-hmm. And the only person that comes to Snape's defense is Lily. Harry's future mom. Yeah. Lily. Who doesn't want to have anything to do with James. So something's really going to change between. <laughs> this scene and when they eventually get married and have a kid but lily is not love for uh, enemies to lovers is a great trope everybody loves that trope uh lily is not impressed by what james is doing she is not enthused at all or amused by what what james is doing and even gets out her wand and threatens james if he doesn't stop and james Instead of just stopping, says something threatening back to her. Yeah, don't make me jinx you. That what the heck is going on with this guy? <laughs> so, he's kind of a jerk. You, he's really a jerk, 
And so I wanted to ask you about this. Um, we know that Snape has badmouthed Harry's dad before, but I guess, I guess I was just kind of caught off guard by how downright cruel James and Sirius to some extent was in this memory. But in, in this, in the whole, this whole saga of books that we're reading, we're finding out that so many of our characters that we root for are inherently flawed. Mm -hmm. Is that something you like in your stories or do you prefer the clear cut black hat, white hat, good guy, bad guy dynamic? Um, well, all characters should be flawed because they have to grow. They have to improve throughout the story. Um, That's why you're not a big fan of Superman. Yeah, he's right? too perfect. It's We just talked about this today at work. Like, when the only thing that can hurt you is a rock, your story's not that interesting. A hard-to-find rock. A hard-to-find rock. Yeah. It's, your story's just not that interesting. And I, I struggle with the movies because we have to spend an hour and a half pretending that Superman can't just defeat this villain. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is dumb. Sorry, I just got disowned by all the Metropolis people. But well, I mean, uh, we've we've said even when, every when we go to the Superman celebration, we've said that we're more Batman people, mm -hmm. and that's why every year when we do the kickball game, you and I are always on Team Gotham. Yeah, <laughs> because is that because Batman is more flawed and Batman is more relatable or? He's definitely more relatable. He's not to make it out of humans and aliens, but he, I just, when I was pulling movies for my display today, I said, I was pulling movies for my display. I was doing super movie summer mm -hmm. and I was pulling all of the superhero movies and, um, I, we got to Batman and I said, Oh, here's Batman. I'm going to pull a couple of these, even though he's not really a superhero. Because he does not have powers. Mm -hmm. And the person who was standing there with me was like, oh, don't say that. Oh, you have that's, oh. A, that's a big, that's like a classic argument uh, geek in, the, in the geek community. Mm -hmm. Whether Batman is a, is a superhero. superhero. Right. I, he's super smart, but he's not like. And he's not even like super smart. Somehow it's not genetically like he's had enhanced. Like, it's not like he's Brainiac and has yeah. like, you know, a computer in his brain or something like that. He's one of. A, an extremely intelligent human, an extremely athletic human, an extremely uh, a human that's extremely good at deduction, an extremely rich yes. <laughs> human. With determination and money, you can do a lot of stuff. But it kind of goes back to the fact, like, because he, he can defeat super villains, so mm -hmm. does that make him a superhero? Or are you saying super is the power that they right. have? Right. That's what makes them super. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, he's on the display. I agree. But Bat I feel like best. that's yeah. also what, what makes him more relatable. Yeah. And even his other cares, the people who come after him, Robin doesn't have superpowers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't, Batgirl, none of them. They're just people who decide they want to be heroes. But you feel like stories should have that. Yes. I mean, you read a lot more than I do. You probably wouldn't like a character that was just a Superman-esque with no flaws. No, that would be very boring. 
Um, one of my favorite types of books is when you kind of get, you get like the dual main characters and they're on opposite sides. Mm -hmm. So you're reading about the first main character and you're like oh yeah you right go get it you you need to stick to these morals that you have and these ideas and then you read the other chapter and you're like oh but wait maybe you're right i'm sorry you you do deserve to have this thing that you want or for this other kingdom to leave you alone i'm so sorry and you go back and you read the other one and you're like oh my gosh okay you guys are both right what do we do mm -hmm. because that is how the world is you at both sides think they're right. Yeah, we talk about nobody thinks they're the villain. Nobody thinks that they're wrong. Yeah, we and we try not to go too deep into politics here on the show, but we talk about you know the division in our in our country and how magnified it seems to have become in the last ten years. Nobody thinks that they're the bad guy. Nobody thinks that they're. Uh, wrong, but both sides of all of these big issues that we've been having, both sides, the pe the people and their thoughts have flaws in them, and the people themselves have flaws, and their arguments are both flawed. There is no right or wrong answer to everything, mm -hmm. and I think that when you have that in a story, it does make your characters more relatable and it maybe kind of makes you, you know, for all, the, for as big of a jerk as Snape has been, you look at this scene and you feel so much for him. And you, I was so angry at Harry's dad at the end of the chapter and so angry at, at Sirius and kind of upset with Lupin for letting it go on. It 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 really you kind of go back and forth with these characters. You go from being really angry at Snape because he's such a jerk, and now you you feel all this uh, emotion for him. Even Voldemort, we talked about, uh, we got like a glimpse into his his upbringing a little bit uh, in the last book. And you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit. Mm -hmm. You kind of see why he turned out to be who he is. You kind of see why Snape turned out to be who he is. And I'm guessing, you know, I'm asking you, since you read so much, you think that that's really good writing. Mm -hmm. It's a very small part of these books, but... I have read books where that's the whole thing. The whole book is going back and forth. And I love that. I love that you can make me feel so strongly about mm -hmm. something and then flip it upside down and make me feel the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And and it just kind of does remind you that you ha there's two sides to every story. Mm -hmm. And just because you hear one person's side and you totally agree with them does not mean that you wouldn't totally agree with the other person too. Either way, Snape catches Harry peeking in on his memories and nearly causes like some big time physical harm to Harry. Snape is just seething here, mm -hmm. isn't he? Yeah, he's Harry is pretty scared. Like that something's gonna happen. I mean he's physically grabbed, I mean, to the point where there's like Bruises, marks. Yeah. And he's starting to lose feeling in his arm. 
hands and getting kind tingly. of thrown to the other side of the room, and Snape does uh, does some kind of throws a jar at him or something. Yeah. Or I thought, I guess I thought he kind of like hexed some jar that was like nearby and caused it to explode no, or something like that. I think that. he threw a jar. Either way, Snape says, "Don't ever come back again." You know, I don't, I don't ever want to. You, you've violated my most private part of my mind one of the most traumatizing things in my life and it was something that your dad did and your godfather did and how how dare you and you know, look add on, on to that. the fact that harry looks exactly like him yes it's just a whole it's a lot thing it's very triggering yes for snape but Harry kind of doesn't know what he's feeling when he leaves because it's almost like, I'm getting kind of goosebumps thinking about it. It's almost like Harry sees this and he wants to tell Snape, I'm sorry, I didn't know. You know, I, I'm, I didn't know. I had no idea he did that to you. I know, I know that you've always badmouthed my dad. And I know you've always talked about how arrogant he was and how cocky he was and how much of a jerk he was. Now I've seen it. And that's just one memory. Who knows how many other memories are like that or what James and Sirius have done to other people that they didn't care for for no reason other than they were just walking across the courtyard. But on the other hand, you know, people don't generally talk bad about the dead. So Harry's parents are dead. So he does people always tell him that they liked his parents mm -hmm. and maybe you know they did like adult james but they're not gonna tell a little kid your dad was a jerk unless you're snape you're not gonna tell him that yeah. so the only thing he knows because he doesn't remember his parents mm -hmm. is what people have told him and most everyone loves his parents except for snape and so he just thought snape was the jerk but you know, like you said, how many other kids did he bully? How many kids at school pretended to worship him just so they wouldn't get bullied? Why I'm, would my mom fall in love with this? Mm -hmm. I mean, Wormtail, you know? prime target, but he slipped over onto the other side uh -huh. and he's in with James, probably so he wouldn't get bullied. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very troubling end to the chapter i'm glad we got a little levity from the weasley boys early on uh, like i said this book brought to you by depression <laughs> wow. we'll we're, get you we're gonna get you <laughs> uh anything else you want to say about chapter 28 before we do our email for the day no i think we covered it all right this email comes to us courtesy of broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com from dana in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Dana. Uh, hi, Dan and Jess. I'm so fascinated with how J.K. Rowling was able to create this magical universe. Every setting meticulously laid out, every character fully formed, and small seeds of stories planted, sometimes books in advance that bear fruit down the line. I'm throwing around the idea of writing my own book and have a neat idea for a story, but I feel like I need to do a J.K. Rowling-esque world-building first. You've talked about Jess's writing in the past. Does Jess have any advice on world building? Is this something that absolutely needs to be done before I put pen to paper, or can it just develop along the way? Sorry for the long email. 
not a long email. Um, but I don't have a great answer for you. I, I read this. Dan gave me the paper before we started. He read this. I, I got to read it before. And I was just like, ugh, my answer's not going to be great. Um, but first, on a side note, Sarah Moss, I used to be a huge fan. Not as big anymore, but used to be a huge fan. Because she, she got into the smut books. <laughs> not just that. There's other drama going on with her. But uh, she is the queen of this. Mm-hmm. I less of a fan now, but I will still give her her props. Mm-hmm. She is the queen of things panning out. Like, you will meet somebody, just random, the main character will meet somebody just randomly and does a good deed, and that pays off like four books later. Mm-hmm. Like, this random good deed. And and it changes like the course of the book. Like, it, it was just amazing. She was really good at that. So, if you have not read those, you might want to look into her books to get more inspiration on what that. What series in particular? <sighs> Throne of Glass it was the series I started with because that was mm-hmm. her first series and that's currently the longest series so that would definitely have the she's most... got several different series that don't the characters don't interact with each other right uh oh I can't answer that okay um so yeah a multiverse of madness here <clears throat> a little bit yeah so but the throne of glass series is finished and mostly on its own so it is easy to look at that what series and go through in that that first book the prequels that are in one book the assassin's blade those um that's basically all that is it's like little mini stories that pay out throughout the whole series so there's a big argument of when to read those but they go first so i've i've heard showrunners of tv shows talk about a show Bible. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that term yes. before? And uh, if you haven't heard that, a show Bible is basically like once you the write rules. it into existence. Yeah, it's it's the, a rule. It's the rules of the universe that you're operating in. Like this character went to this college for the, these years, so he can't possibly have been in this place. You know, it's it's to keep. It's continuity, the, yeah, it's to keep the that's exactly the word I was looking for. It's, it's to keep the continuity, and you see that a lot uh, handled poorly in comic books, I think, because you have so many different writers that are writing the same character, yeah. and they can't possibly keep track of, especially like a character like Captain America with like seventy years, or a character like Superman. Oh, Superman's a little easier, I guess, because it's just the the rock that he's got to worry yeah, about. Yeah, just the he rock. He can fly, and he and he's got to worry about the rock. Yeah. Not not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Ooh, there's a crossover <laughs> for you. But it, it's it kind of gets muddled in comic books because there's not really an official Bible mm-hmm. for these characters. It's kind of like whatever the publisher allows the writer to do. It's like, oh, we want to make this character gay. If the publisher says that you can do that and you put it in there, it's in existence now. Yeah. You know, um, or we want to say that I want to say Captain America can fly now. Well, if the publisher lets you do that, (laughs) (laughs) probably not the best idea. But and then then another writer would have to come in and retcon that and make powers away, take his powers away. Um, Do you believe that you need to have a 
Bible for your universe that you're creating? Uh, same kind of thing. Once you are published, yes. But what I was going to say, Jaina, is first of all, just sit down and write. You say Jaina? Dana. Okay. Dana. I thought you were like combining put, putting Dana on your hit list again. <laughs> <laughs> first, you it's just like a, like a power move, just purposely calling her by the wrong name so she doesn't get too friendly with you. That's a Ron. Oh. That's a Ron Swanson move. Oh God, no. I would say just sit down and write your story. The first draft is going to be crap, mm-hmm. and but you just get the story out. Um, yes, you do have to brainstorm a little bit in the beginning to know what you want and where you want things to go, but the rest just kind of fills in. Um, and then as you do your second draft and your third draft, you're adding more. Some stories just come out ready I've, I've gone to a lot of author events and some people will be like i just sat down and wrote this book and it took me a month uh-huh. and it was all there i didn't have to do anything and others they're having to do research and plot and plan and and just pull it out of themselves like when we used to have to write months. in school we had to make the, the graphic organizer <laughs> graphic organizer and and everything. And then lots of authors talk about it's a layering process. So, you know, you got to get that first draft. So, you know, the bones of your story. Then you layer things in. And you might not be able to plant that little kernel because you don't know what's happening. Because you don't know what's happening at the end. But once you get to the end, you can go back and be like, oh, so I need somebody here to do something nice. So, I'll just have, have that person show up and run into the character in the beginning. And then... We can call on them later for a favor, and it'll be, it'll make sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a layering process for those kinds of things. And I know everybody just wants to sit down and write a perfectly finished book. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. No, it's lots and lots of revisions and rewrites and drafts and different editions of it. Like you just have to keep doing it over and over and over and over, over some more, and then you have a finished book. And you try and get an agent, and then they make you change it all and rewrite it again and again and again until they like it. Mm-hmm. And then you try and get a publisher, and the publisher makes you rewrite it again and again until they re-like it. So you're not really ever done until the book is printed and out in the world. So the question, is this something that absolutely needs to be done before I put pen to paper, or can it just develop along the way? Does you... Do not necessarily. You're saying get it down on paper. Get it down on paper. That or, is the or get hardest. It, or get it into the word processing uh, yeah. program of your. That choice. is the hardest part. Is just sitting down and doing it. You can always change it. You're going to change it. Yeah. Like I have a trouble. I have trouble like not editing as I go. I want that sentence to be great, but you might get that sentence and 20 other sentences to be great and you spent a long time doing that and then you start writing some more and then you realize that scene doesn't even work anymore. You have to completely change it. Mm-hmm. So, And I spent the whole time crafting the prose. Per- the, yeah, the perfect sentence and now I'm just going to delete it. Mm-hmm. So it's more important. I think it's more important to just get it down, get the story down. Just get it down. And then go back and layer and Even fix. Even if it's just on like a yellow legal pad, just get it down, right? <laughs> yep. 
and add more details, add more world building. And you might even find, you're like, oh, I'm going to write this story about mermaids on this by this island in a tropical climate. And then you get further into it and you're like, mm, actually, I'd rather it be more of a temperate climate and I want this. And so you're going to change the whole thing. I mean, the bones of the story are there, but you have to change the whole setting. So mm -hmm. it's not, I don't think it's really worth it to be nailed down to gotcha. world building in the beginning. Well, good question and good discussion. Thank you, Dana. Uh, everybody send, send us your emails. I think this is a perfect example of something that's kind of tangentially Harry Potter related, mm -hmm. but something that we... You know, also just feel, books, yeah, just like to talk about, books. and feel free to to email us in. Or is Batman a superhero? Feel free to <laughs> email that in as well. Uh, you can send at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail .com. You can send us messages on Twitter if you follow us at broomsticksb. Uh, you can send Jess messages if you follow her on Twitter too at Jess Rhino, J E S S R Y N O. And yep. uh, I'll tell you what, you know, Dana, if you get something on paper and you want to send it our way, I'm sure we'd be happy to to look at it for you. Ooh, we can get Jennifer to look at it. She is absolutely no help. She'll just tell you it's fantastic. If you want positive reinforcement <laughs> for something that you have created, whether it be musically, whether it be in prose form, whether it be a clay sculpture that you have made, send it to Jennifer. And she will let you know that it is the greatest thing she's ever seen in the world. Yes. When I got done with the story and I wanted a beta reader, I went to the internet and Jennifer volunteered. Didn't know her. She volunteered. I was like, okay, here's my story. And she thought it was the greatest thing in the whole world. She told me it was wonderful and was absolutely no help. <laughs> Because gotcha. you, you don't want to hear the negative feedback, but if you don't get negative feedback, you can't make yeah. it better. Yeah. So, and that's one of the scariest things is letting somebody read what you wrote. Especially in, I played a lot of sports growing up. You learn more from your losses than you do from your wins. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn, you grow from your losses. If you're just winning every game and it's just too easy... You don't really get better, you know. Mm -hmm. You you learn from the mistakes that you made and the feedback that you get in order to fix those for the next time. And it's not fun to have people tell you that this is not great or I didn't really understand that. But it's pro it's probably essential to the process, right? Oh yeah, I did submit some of my writing to like a Twitter online Twitter competition thing, mm -hmm. and I was picked to be paired up with an, a published author. And she gave for a critique, and she typed up this letter and sent me the critique, and I was just. I was like so angry. I was like, "You don't know anything. How could you possibly know anything?" Call, call it out. Call her out. Who is it? I, I, I don't even know anymore. I have to go look it up. Um, but I, I was angry for like an hour or two, and then this lady's I, about to have a I, few thousand angry listeners <laughs> in her DMs. I I walked away and did something else, and then I came back and I was reading the. And then I could kind of see her side of it. Um, a couple of things were, because it was just a small portion. They only critique like 
20 pages or whatever. And I'm like, well, if you just keep reading it, that explains this and this and this. But, I, you know, B- there was good... BBA Army. Broomsticks and Butterbeer <laughs> Army. There was good information in there. Coming after you. And you have to be able to to, to take the critiques and do something with We're it. We're going to find out who this is. <laughs> there they're about to have some trouble in their life. No, it was helpful. <laughs> they're about to shut down that Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, Dana, for emailing us. Again, you can also uh, hit us up on Facebook. I think we're up to close to 900 people on Facebook that Woo-hoo. follow us. And there's like thir- between three and 4,000 people that listen to us, so... Those numbers don't correlate. Get on Facebook and like us, and you can send us messages on there as well. Some people don't Facebook, then. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess that's true. We're old, so yeah. <laughs> we still Facebook. We still Facebook. Uh, special shout out to Jennifer, Catherine, Luke, Amelia, Jane. Jennifer, who was here. Yeah, she was in in the house. In the house, literally. She slept with my dog. Yeah. Or my dog slept with her. Oh, I yeah. don't know. I didn't even want to say that. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer, Catherine, Luke, Amelia, Jane, Ronnie, Anastasia, Kelly, and Olivia, the inner circle here of the BBA, Broomsticks and Butterbeer Army, which is about to attack some random author on Twitter in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Thank you to everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Uh, We will be back with Chapter 29 next time of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. But until then... Be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Forget. See ya. Bye. I got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows.